Hello and welcome to The Bigger Picture, a new podcast series by the World Photography Organization. We'll be talking to leading figures in the photography industry who have shaped the medium into what it is today. This episode is hosted by me, Scott Gray, CEO of the World Photography Organization. Our guest for our first ever episode is picture editor, photographer and consultant Mike Tro. Mike, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, now I've known Mike for many years actually. Um, Mike began his career as an editor and reportage agent for the major agency Colorific before working as picture editor on magazines including Bazaar and Jack magazine. Do you remember that? Just long, about a long, long time, time ago. ago. He was at British Vogue for 13 years. Uh, where he led a team that commissioned, produced, and art-directed all portrait and feature shoots. And as a photographer, he shot for Vogue and other titles. He now works as a curator, consultant, freelance editor, and photographer. Now, Mike's also chaired um, and the judging panel for the Sony World Photography Awards. Since 2018, actually, um, he's guided the most credible curators and our judges, museum directors, picture editors, to go through the numerous images that we have to decide on really what is the most exciting work entered into the into the competition. Mike's curated the Sony World Photography Awards exhibition, which we hold annually at Somerset House. Mike, welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> now, um, in fact, I, I met you a very, very long time ago, uh, six, seven years ago, I think. Yeah. And you said to me one thing, which I still quote so many times, and it isn't on our thing to talk about, so I've already gone off, off subject. But you said to me, it is so easy to shock and it is so incredibly hard to capture beauty. And I don't know if you remember saying that, but I, I, I for, to this day I remember that. I remember it, and, and I think it, it is such an important thing for photographers to know in terms of how they interpret what they're shooting and, and, and how, I suppose, subjective they can be within what their programme is. So I think the first sort of theme that we want to sort of talk about today is, is, is that subjectivity within photography and look at you know, what photographers can do, how they interpret it, what they shoot, why they shoot, um, and, and, and how that really sort of comes across in their work. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, it's a big subject, subjectivity, and of course it always begins with a cam- someone picking up a camera and deciding to photograph something. Um, there is so much work done now, and we all feel so many different things, Photography, of course, started off very much with just a desire to photograph reality in front of ourselves. In the 1800s with the early prints, um, it was, here's an object, we're going to photograph it. Here is a person, we'll photograph it. In a way, like the best early with the portraits, we're supposed to capture a full likeness. As it's moved on, and people started to develop and, and use their imagination more, it wasn't just about photographing something to make it like reality, but it's saying maybe what lies behind reality. So it's what you're drawn to as a photographer that is the starting point. From there, where you go with it depends on the techniques you choose to pick up, how you want to use the medium. Do you love printing? Do you love tintypes? Do you love C-types? Do they represent something to you from your childhood of how you originally saw paintings or your own experience with photography? That subjectivity builds in so much to everybody's work. But it's, it's obviously such a personal thing. Uh, I mean, Irina Wayne said to me once that uh, in any project that she does, um, you know, her one thing was, it has to be emotive to you. She said, it's, she said it's like a relationship. You know, you have good times and bad times, and you only get through the bad times 
if actually you you know you really care about you know the the, the, the partner. Is that what you're saying in terms of? You, yes, to an extent. I think there is so much photography now, obviously, and is there that thing where everything's been photographed and everything's been done? And going back to the quote you told me six, seven years ago about it's so hard to to shock. I actually think that those subjects that are being shot beautifully actually stay with you far longer and far deeper. Yeah, you do. I mean, taking those things, if you think about Salgado, of course, he made everything look incredibly beautiful while dealing with massive human suffering. You know, the first shots of his miners in Brazil, they, they're rich in colour, they're powerful, they're emotional, the men in some ways look beautiful, but also they're about pure struggle. So, stylistically, he developed a very strong style that was based on contrast and structure and pulling away from being too obvious and making something look much deeper as you look into them. Hence, Salgado is one of the greatest reportage photographers of the world. And they're not strict reportage. He doesn't go to shoot news stories. But they cover something so beautifully with a fairly unique photographic technique that it's something he developed over his time of his career how 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 stylized could a photographer go in that? If you're if you're if you're really trying to you know take your writing example or you know it's a reportage story to a certain extent, but clearly shot in their own way in their own subjective you know emotional way. How how stylized and off piste can they go without really changing? I think very much, very much so. I mean, of course, the other artist to think about is Richard Moss, who did his um, infrared work of the Calais migrants, another migrant going through, very powerful film and, and Stills' work, that tells a story, in one way they feel abstract, but you also get this sense of surveillance and the bigger picture around it, of people being watched and moved and not being in control of their lives. As an artwork, it's incredibly powerful, but also as a reportage story, documenting what goes on in life, it has terrific value, and and the best artists are able to do that to make us recognise things in a an unobvious way that it creatively stretches you and takes you into a deeper level. I spoke to Nada Kanda this year in, in in London, and he was saying that he doesn't go into these places with a necessarily a documentary mm. element. He's just ultimately coming back with these amazing, beautiful photographs. Obviously, Richard's completely. On, on the other side of that. Um, how does that work in terms of the photographer's mind? Obviously, you're a photographer as much as you know, creator and, and everything else, but are you going in with that pre-formed impression of what you're trying to... It's very hard to say. If you're doing work for yourself or for a client, with a client, the client says what they want, and you will say, this is how I do it, but you have a client to give work to. When you're doing it just for yourself, in a way it's scarier because you're saying... I have to believe that this is the story that people will want to see generated entirely by your own imagination. There is no client. There is a, an audience you want to see your work and there has to be a reason for them to want to see it as opposed to seeing someone else's. Mm. So when you're going out subjectively, you have to think about why you want to do a story, what it means to you. And some artists who don't always achieve it so successfully are cynical because they choose a trope they know will sell people want to see which is we know those things sometimes if I see another vase, vase of flowers and a black background yeah. that someone tells me is amazing it's not going to tell me anything so for 
the best artists such as Richard or Sagard or those people, there is a reason for their story, there's a response they have emotionally to it that will relate to their entire history of seeing art and photography and they move forward that way. Um, no, you know, you never take an image just saying this is the picture I'm going to take, it's going to look like this. You will already have a thousand images in your mind and a thousand responses to your environment and your childhood and those things have grown up that make your the best subjective work come through. And that then relates to people, when people see it, they can get a sense of that feeling. Well, I think to the art fairs that, that we run and that we produce, we, well, some of those artists, you know, they're like, so Polidori, you know, there, there isn't that huge narrative that, mm. that goes around it necessarily. You know, it's just a, a beautiful car in Havana or, a, yeah. you know, and it, it, it does change, I suppose, then what the photographer is shooting. And, but I think, it sort of puts us on to the second theme, I suppose, that the role of photography within the art world has come on a long way. I mean, we've, you know, I started the organisation here, what, sort of 14, 15 years ago, and, and in that time it's changed enormously, you know, and we see more art photography selling at auction, we see, you know, that, that sort of greater appreciation of photography as art. Um, how do you think that has changed, I suppose, and, and, and do you think that's actually, more importantly, do you think the artists, or rather the artists who use photography, or the photographers, or whichever way you want to call it, do you think they are mindful of that change, aware of that change? I think they're extremely mindful of that change. Photography, over the past hundred years, has taken over from painting in many ways. We see so much more of it. It is quicker to produce. It's more straightforward as far as you don't need to be a brilliant draftsman. But to create art in photography, has become vital to people because people just relate to photography so much more now. Mm. And artists have realised that, they've gone into it, they construct images photographically. But photographs are still, you know, images of objects. The best art photographers are, in a way, their own set designers, their own set builders. They make things that are then photographed, and then the photograph becomes an object of a set of objects. As a painting was a painting of a set of objects, or an abstract photograph, there always has to be something in it. Do you think there's, uh, you're saying that actually, in my mind I've got Alejandro Cheskilberg, an image that he shot, I think we talked about it, that he did in the Amazon, and um, and he, he, he was saying about how he sets it up and ultimately he spends days and days and days basically putting torches in, in forests and trees and, and it's lit incredibly, takes his one shot. Which of course is the same as Gregory Cruston. For sure, but so do you think the the public is aware of that? Do you think that, I mean, a painting one understands how much work goes into that, or one appreciates that? But does the you're saying you know, obviously a painting is you know, an object, you know, and, and a photograph is an object of objects? But do you think actually the viewer respects the photography as much as it does, say, the painting? No, definitely not. When you when you look at an image, most people will look at an image and not realise the amount of time and thought has gone into it. It's a photograph. They were there, they took the picture. All the best work takes time to produce. It takes thought, drawings, maquettes, whatever you want to do to make your vision right of it. You know, Tim Walker has a, a, a notebook that's just full of drawings of everything he's going to do. So I think as audiences are getting smarter towards art, they're starting to realise and look deeper into it and realise the skill that goes into actually making them. You know, it's not the case that you just do an origami an origami bird, take a picture, and that's suddenly a great yeah, piece yeah, of art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may well be, 
but it's unlikely. Well, if Gursky shot it, then it may not. Well, you know, there there is also, you know, with many photographers, they will always have a set of work that is their main body of work, but that's not to say all their work is good. Yeah. Same with all painters. But equally, I think the, re the reason for referencing Gursky there was saying that, well, yes, photography is coming forward in terms of people's appreciation of actually the work that goes into it, and I yeah. do think that's great. Uh, and, I, and I think that as the public is more aware of that, I think it increases the value of it, which is better for the medium, which is better for the artist. But equally, I think where a lot of photographers can improve on, dare I say, is that it's that understanding that they equally are a brand in, in themselves. And, you know, Gersky is a brand, Cindy Chen is a brand. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tara Simon is a brand. And, and it's actually about protecting that brand as much as anything else. And actually the work you do is part of that brand. And, and that helps oneself, uh, clearly, you know, because it's about building a value within it, you know, and, and hopefully a longevity, you know, for that. Yes, I mean, all, all artists, you know, when you start with your first work, you're not necessarily an artist. You're someone who takes photographs if people start to like it and you become consistent and you do something that I can do this and this says what I want to say. The art then stands up and you become that brand in that sort of rather Nietzschean way of, you know, you spend three years trying to be a blacksmith and then when everyone comes to you and says, you're a blacksmith, yeah. or when you're a great art photographer and says, I want to buy your work because you've been doing this a number of years, I've seen the quality, I've seen the growth, I've seen the world you've created in within yeah. your art and I believe in it, then you say, yes, I'm Taryn Simon, this is what I do. Yeah. The, the, the publisher is almost interested in your third book, not your first one, because by the time you've read the first and second of a particular author, you're always going to buy the third and fourth and fifth. Of course. And it's the same here. I think that often photographers only, they not necessarily forget that, but maybe don't give it as much appreciation as possible. You know? Because I think when you're digesting photography's art, you know, you've got that sort of what's valuable, what's inconsequential, and especially when you're going around an art fair and there's a lot, a lot of yeah. work to look at. And part of the value is clearly the, the brand, as well as the work, and whether you like it, whether it's a yeah. It, but it's it's about it's about processing. It's literally about building a world around it. That you say, "This is my work. This is how I make it. This is how I store it. This is how, where it comes from. Here's the validity of it." You know, all the best artists keep their drawings and their early tests and sketches. Photographers keep their best test prints. They keep their best necks. They store them. They put. You know, you need to build that feeling of of integrity as someone who makes things and and, and then that, that becomes a brand in itself. You know, I mean, if you look at Gilbert and George, mm -hmm. of course their work is, is quite photographic as well. They do painting and sculpture and photography and singing and whatever. But they became their own brand. They're the ultimate artistic brand. Yeah. They're recognised with every aspect of their world. And that takes years. It's very rare that suddenly someone appears that this is an artist fully formed. Course, it's yeah. got to be five or ten years of belief, of reaching out to the world, of becoming part of a consciousness in a certain area to an audience, to curators, to galleries who say, this work shows the world in a particular way that is unique to that artist and has value to the external world. The, the whole market, I mean, you were saying earlier too, about you know, the talking market is different to the art market. And that's unfortunately very, very true. Um, but they are merging, those markets yeah. are merging ever close together as painters take up photography and photographers take up painting or mix them together and create images or painting on their negatives mm -hmm. and then printing it. And there is a merging of media, much more so, you know, 
photographer will make a sculpture which they will then take to a location and build a set and it is done that way. So photography is, every time, they can't not be a, a photograph that is of nothing. Yes. It always has to be of something and, and something has value when it has meaning so that people can see into it. There is a point to it. Um, or just something of aesthetic beauty. Yeah, so it's, it's, straight, it's, it's straight beauty and, and absolutely there is a reason for it. Urban pen cigarette butts. For some reason, they seem quite profound. So there is always an object, a reason to but exist. But also, I think that I think there is this other side. In my mind, I've got the the Mongolian girl Ivana, you know, lying on the horse, and yeah. and that's just beautiful. I, I I'm not aware of a photography narrative around that or behind that, um, but it, it's just a really stunning, yeah. beautiful, calm image. And I, I think that photography has that that beautiful sort of aesthetic value as much as documenting a social conscience or a social responsibility or you know historical fact and I think that it the, I think the challenge that this has is I think what I'm trying to get to is this one word for photography is crossing this huge broad spectrum and is that helpful I suppose to the medium no I mean it, it's impossible because obviously we're always drawn to something beautiful yeah, yeah. you know when we grow up we see a beautiful landscape we sit by a river it's beautiful it's calm there's an elegance there's a balance we're always looking for balance. As you said earlier, that's harder to shoot. And it's very, it's very hard to, to, to replicate and, and keep happening. I mean, it's um, easier to, to photograph like the uh, social whatever and, and, you know, in terms of the cigarette butts. Yeah. And actually, it's easy to photograph the obvious. Yeah, but of course, cigarette butts, they are beautiful because of the way they were shot. They're black and white, the way he chose to print them. There's a balance always to them within the structure, within the, um, you know, perspective he's chosen all those things are what make those pictures seem so powerful to us yeah. and of course it's a very small thing that we can see large printed huge on a wall if you wanted to yeah. and uh, but also when you see those prints I think it does make a difference I think you know getting photography off screen and into a gallery and into an exhibition is I mean, it's, it's, it's what we spend our, our pretty much yeah. entire time doing it at WPO but you know getting printed work in front of people and, and we obviously see a, a huge increase in uh, exhibitions and, and I suppose this is sort of the, the final thing and but do you think that because there's been this huge increase in photography exhibitions and more institutions holding photography and um, do you think that photographers are now shooting specifically for that with a mind to that or do you think that it's helping people value that and appreciate that in a different way? I think photographers are realising that to get their work seen, exhibitions and books are the way to go more and more because there's such a multiplicity of imagery, particularly digital. You can't own a digital image in the same way you can own a print that is yours and you have a response to. Yeah. You, know, you have to make a judgement and once you hold it up and you see that it's printed beautifully on the paper and you go in place and there are no mistakes or errors and it feels real and it smells yeah. and it makes a sound. All these things are about our emotional response to them. I hardly ever have a proper emotional response to anything I see on screen. No. Tell me, do you have a... Now, this is definitely off-piste. Um, what, can you uh, describe an emotional response you've had that's made you stop? I can think, I've got one in my head that I've, I've actually walked through an exhibition and stopped dead. That's how I put you on the screen. Well, for really? me it's quite personal, but weirdly at all. I can't remember the name of the artist, but there was um, an exhibition I saw called Quaaludes and Red Wine mm -hmm. that was 
a set of photographs done by I think the mother of a son who committed suicide on drugs. And there was something about, it wasn't one image, it was a series of images that was absolutely wrenching to me. Uh, you know, the sense of a very bright kid, his drug addiction, his mother having to know nothing about his life and pulling it together and make it happen. And so as a series, it was one of the most emotional things that happened to me. Um, certainly I've had those responses when I've you know, seen psychiatric exhibitions and um, for one image where you had a real emotional response, I'd say certainly to one of the images from um, Don McCullen's exhibition with the Kate, this Turkey-Cypriot war, his early pictures, okay. when he was there speaking for the Observer and he's at a funeral and the family are desolate and he's managed to put himself into the room where the coffin is. It was an absolute image of what grief really felt like. That's great, yeah. And that it's a beautiful, beautiful image. And, and Don printed all those himself and they're on the wall there, they're on the wall there in, in Tate Britain. And for me, I actually, you know, you really felt that yeah. sense of grief that was happening there. Yeah. Um, but I think that is one of the absolutely unique things that uh, photography, and certainly within the context of, a, of an exhibition, not in terms of going through yeah. your social media feed, but a photography exhibition where I think because we we read photography so much, and you know, it, I think it's easier, if that's fair to say, to, to immerse yourself into a photograph, and therefore it's more emotive, and, and, and I think you get that feeling more than you would in, a, in any other medium. Yeah. I don't know if you think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, no, I mean, to stand in front of a great picture for a long time and give yourself five minutes to look at a picture and think about it and look at the details within it and then think about the story that might be behind it, I would hope always gives the viewer a different take on their world and maybe makes them question a few things. The best pictures let you discover them. We see many images that are desperately grab our attention, but if they're desperately grab our attention, we lose attention yes. quite often. But when you see something that makes you stop and think about it just for a moment, and you're drawn into it, and then you discover the story, it tells you more. Yeah. It's always a thing why I also think photographers, when they are explaining their work, need to be better at it. Yeah. You know, very often you see an image that's beautiful, but sometimes it's better to have some decent words that go with it just to help guide you into what it's about, and then you can find your own journey. Sometimes where there is nothing, or it's explained in a sort of rather desperately an artist language, yes, you yes. know what I mean? Yes. It's off-putting. Yes. But when someone just tells you a story and says, this is it, that honesty helps you look into the story on your own terms. Well, I think that also it's when people like cubism or surrealism, you know, yeah. if, you, if you open the door, if the artist opens the doors to, to, to what the, the story is about, we are able to then interpret ourselves, and because it's a photograph, we're able to read it better yeah. than maybe abstract contemporary painting or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it is a it, it's an incredibly um, uh, emotive uh, a medium ultimately. So really, we're on to the last question. So I, I'm going to, or we're going to, through these podcasts, kind of sort of try and finish all of them with this sort of one question. It's quite broad, clearly. Um, and ultimately, what it is is does you know what is what is the legacy of photography for you? You know, in terms of for you personally, 
for me personally, it's a tricky one to say because I've worked for so many angles of photography. You know, I've 30 years ago, I was great portrait of trying to make beautiful images. Um, so that sense of time, I like doing interesting, you know, interesting photographs of interesting people that will last. I think photography has become our history. It is there now. The past hundred years, our entire history has been told photographically, and the best portraits of the best people put them into that history clearly. So that for me is important. I think the way for me reportage is where I started is still very, very important because it, it always told stories from around the world that were visual, powerful. The staticness of a photograph allows you to go back to time and again. Um, the shock for me is still that I still suffer from a certain slight trauma from the reportage work I had to edit when I was in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. There are still photographs I remember from the Rwanda conflict and the Balkans conflict that I can still smell. Sure. That were very deeply upsetting and that always has stayed with me for the past 25 years. And now when I see conflict starting up again, I'm reminded of that time and the, you know, the Photography has shown me how history repeats itself very vividly. And so for me, history, photography is that record always of the past and also a reminder of the present and where it's going is present with me. So it's not about there being one image that changed my life. So I can't really answer that question apart from to say that for me it's about my history and daring to look at it from a broader, broader sense of the work I've done and also... Um, personally from my own work, which of course ne will never match up to the best work I've ever seen. Well look, thank you Mike. Thank um, you. Great to see you again as always. We weren't as humorous um, as we should have been. But <laughs> no, we should have been funny. Take this as the only funny bit, but we should have been much funnier. Um, but, um, but no, it really has been great, so thank you. We should do it in the pub next time, that would be funny. I think so. Um, but uh, thank you for listening uh, if you've got this far, and don't forget the 2020 Sony World Talk Awards is now open for entry, so submit your work at www.worldphoto.org before January 2020. Uh, deadlines for each of the four competitions are on the website.